we are a proud member of the 143 Podcast Network. Hey, Chris, how's it going, man? How, uh, welcome to my home and to- welcome to the Podluck Party. Uh, how are you oh, doing, thanks man? Thanks so much, Joey. I can't. Wow, what a spread. Well, I hope you don't mind. I brought a couple pizzas. I- I'm looking in the corner over there. It looks like somebody else brought a couple pizzas as well. Yeah. Gee, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, man. Thanks for coming. The pizza is appreciated, man. Um, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't think that anybody else uh, liked anchovies. Uh, <laughs> so. No, actually, yes, I am an anchovy fan. I like anything on a pizza, my friend. Whatever you want. Hey, man, you know I brought one with anchovies. I got a Chicago deep dish. Ooh. Got a thin crust, and there's a Hawaiian. Also got a, a veggie with some spinach too. You never know. That's awesome. So, so okay. You're you're are you from Chicago? I think I remember you telling me that's where you at least you resided there at least one point in yes, time, right? Yes, I, I am presently there now, and I'm originally from Memphis, Tennessee, where we had some good barbecue. But right now I'm in Chicago. Yeah. So, okay, I need you to help me because I've got a friend, uh, and 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 you probably know this guy. His name yes. is Brian Augustine, and yes. he and he is a comic book creator. Uh, you know, comic book legend, and he tells me that a Chicago-style pizza is not a deep dish pizza. It's actually a thin crust pizza. Well, it's obvious that Mr. Augustine is a very well-versed expert because he is indeed <laughs> correct. Okay, the vernacular for a Chicago pizza has sort of come into vogue with you know movies and pop culture things, and I think the nation at large, when they think of a Chicago pizza, it is a deep dish. But if you ask for a Chicago pizza with a respective to a native, yeah. they'll probably take you to a bar or tavern where you can get like what they consider an authentic Chicago pizza. Now, if I was going to have some uh, tourists come by, you know, entertain a friend or two yeah. from out of town, you know, I would probably say, let's go get some deep dish pizza. Okay. But if you are a connoisseur and, you know, you, you got the touristy thing out of the way, then you kind of open up the back door and say, okay, now that you've tasted, you know, the popular product, here's like what the locals are digging. Oh, I see. Okay. That's actually really cool, man, because I always had the thought, like everybody else, uh, that the Chicago style pizza was like a deep dish. And then, uh, you know, like I used to work in, in tons of pizza places, man. That was like one of my first jobs ever when I was in high school. I had, I had, I worked at a pizza place. Um, I even managed a pizza place at one point in time in my career. Uh, so, but the Chicago pizza was like sausage and green peppers and it was toppings. And that's what I knew as a, as a, Arizonan making pizza. <laughs> I guess I didn't know anything at all about a Chicago style pizza. <laughs> oh yeah, you know, and you know, just from from uh, moving around in the Midwest area too, uh, I, I got to know like different kinds of pizzas that were kind of like uh, respect to uh, cities. You know, okay. Uh, I lived in St. Louis for a while, and St. Louis, you know, style pizza is sort of like a thin crust pizza with a very very crispy crust. Yeah. Uh, Detroit style pizza in Detroit, you know, most Detroit style square. It's a square pizza. Okay. You know, with uh, different various toppings and crust like that. But uh, Detroit pizza is like uh, square pizza, and I just that's the first time I ever saw square pizza my gosh yeah you know? and you know and they're, they're getting popular so i really like you know the different kinds and what is authentic to a respective city as to okay. their pizza and makes it all different and i i've really really become a connoisseur and even locally you know you if you if you it's like the two brothers in the movie what was it um 
Oh, the Western movie with uh, Billy Crystal. Oh, um, I know. It's just Curly's, City, yeah. City Slickers, right? Is that the City one? City Slickers, yeah, yep. where you had the two brothers and the ice cream. They could tell you yeah. what, what ice cream would go with any meal. Yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, the respective pizza. Oh, if I'm going to this place, I'm going to get this kind of pizza. If I go to that place, I'm going to get this kind of pizza. Because yeah. you get what they specialize in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I guess that's kind of like right here in, in the Southwest. It's uh, it's usually like uh, Mexican-style food and like it, not really like Tex-Mex because we're obviously not in Texas. We're close, but not not, not not that close but uh it's it's usually like uh mexican food and if you like like you said if you brought a somebody who was visiting the area you would take them out for deep dish first here if you came well you are here you're hanging out with us today so later on we're gonna go out for some mexican food some authentic mexican food <laughs> but where i'm gonna take you first chris is i'm gonna take you to a nice little place that uh, a, lo- a lot not really it's not really like a local spot but it is definitely a tour spot where people have heard about it and it's called philly birdos and it's kind of Ooh. like um it's it's really it's it's good but it's not like authentic grandma style mexican food you know what i mean but there's a couple different uh mom and pop shops here where uh where i would take you there's one in particular where i would take you it'd be called it's it's called uh backyard taco and they actually <laughs> started uh, a little business uh like cooking food for their friends and family and neighbors in their backyard and they were like hey you should sell this this is delicious and they started like uh selling food out of their backyard and they actually start and then they they got it made enough money to go into an actual brick and mortar business and that's why they call it backyard taco and man that place is delicious it's always packed uh every time you go you're you're before you go in there you're going to be sitting around for at least 20 30 minutes just to get in oh joey i'm salivating already (laughs) (laughs) you did a good job selling it (laughs) it's one of the like uh I had a really good uh, teacher who used to be the head chef over at a Hilton resort. And uh, he, he, he would tell me, he's like, okay, when you walk into a restaurant, you want to go to the place where they have a line out the door and around the, around the corner because you know if there's people waiting to get in and they're willing to stay here in the heat around the corner, snaked around the building, you know that place is delicious. So that's the place you want to go. So that's kind of that's kind of my thought uh, about when we when we walk up to a restaurant. That's if you, there's tons of people, that's the place to be. Oh. That sounds so good. <laughs> so, but you you brought something for us, right? Uh, everybody well, uh, that I've had on the show, they've brought some really cool. You brought some pizzas, and I see you got something else in your hands there. What do you got there? Yeah, Joey, this is a card with a list. Uh, I'm going to hand you the card, okay. and what this is, you know, I, I don't have the the talent like my good friend Jerry. Professor Frenzy has with um, his musicianship and also guitar list. But I am something of, you know, uh, I'm into comics and I like to talk comic history. Yeah. And when we got to talking about what we could do for the show, I asked you, what, well, when was the month and year you were born? And I thought, if you don't mind, with your permission, I came up with a top 10 list cool. of books that were cover dated February 1984. And okay. I think yeah. this could be something you could possibly add to your collection and the listeners as well, because we, Joey, when you came into this world, so did a plethora of some <laughs> awesome books. <laughs> awesome, man. That's aw- Let's hear it. That's, that's super exciting. Okay. You ready? I'm ready. Okay. Well, this is a top 10 countdown. I'm going to start from the bottom and work my way up. Okay, cool. At number 10, I had 
Now, I don't know how you pronounce this, you know, with the, the Marvel jungle hero. Some people say Kazar, some people say Kazar. Oh, yeah. But this is Kazar the Savage, or Kazar the Savage, number 30. And, Joy, this was a really hot run back in the day, and it was a very entertaining title. And let's see. Now, we had the script written by Mark Carlin. The art was done by Mary Wilshire and Carlos Gorzon. The cover price of this comic book was 75 cents back in the day. Wow. And back then, Marvel had some comic books that were direct only. In other words, you could only get them at the local comic shop and not on the newsstand. Uh, current cover price of this comic right now is $3. And why I put this on the list, we had our hero... Kazar the Savage had uh-huh. just married his lover, Shanna the She-Devil. So how cool is that? Yeah. But in this issue, they go on their honeymoon, but things don't quite go as predicted. There's a lot of banana stuff with uh, paradactyl-looking people, <laughs> a princess with mistaken identity, and you've just got some great, great jungle action and just some over-the-top banana stories, as my friend Jerry would say. That's so cool. that's uh, number 10 on my list. And I, I really dug this title, and I have a soft spot for this one. It was really, really cool. So again, Kazar the Savage. Savage, number 30, cover price was 75 cents. But if you were to be savvy enough to look for this at yeah. the uh, back market in your local comic shop, you might find this in the quarter bin. Or if you were to direct order it from somebody, it only cost you $3. So yeah. I think this is a great, great read. Yeah, this is a really cool cover, too. Um, I, yeah. I like it a lot. It's really, I really dig those old school covers, man. Absolutely. Moving right along, number nine, Star Trek, number one. Now, this oh. is the DC version. <laughs> And if you check this one out, this was in February 1984. It's got a George Perez cover. How cool is oh, that? Seeing yeah. George Perez draw all the Star Trek characters. You got him. Yeah, he's got Chekhov. You got Bones. You got Kirk. You got Scotty Uhura. You got Savick. You know the new, the the uh, Vulcan check in there. Yeah. And then, uh, and then you got a Sulu all on there. And it's written by Mike W. Barr. The art was done by Tom Sutton and Ricardo Villagran. Oh my gosh! And the art is so so really cool. And Barr is a huge huge Star Trek fan. You get some nice text yeah. piece in the back of the book where he talks about uh, his memories and how he came to love the series. And this is part one of a four part story, but I got to say, Joy, you know, you, for the Trek fans out there, this is almost a must to have yeah. because uh, this brings in like the USS Gallant appears in Trek continuity. Uh, the events of this book start right after the film, Star Trek two Wrath of Khan. So for the Trek fans, there's a lot of history in there with the George Perez cover. Come on. Yeah, how cool this is, is a that? really great. So this cover. one was, Oh, yeah, man. so this one was a cover price of $0.75. Cents. Um, some vendors online at the time of this recording only had it for 4 bucks, and that's the price of a current comic. So that's not yeah. too bad. Oh, I see, Absolutely. I see somebody on uh, eBay, they're trying to sell it for an outrageous price. They got oh but, no! You're kidding! <laughs> they oh got, my gosh! They got uh, issues number one through fifty six for over uh, for close to three hundred dollars. <laughs> Hello! Wow! Okay. Now this is sort of you know this may not be for everybody, but you know as somebody who's like into comics and comic history, I thought this was kind of not a bad choice, and I put it on the top ten for number eight. I had New Adventures of Superboy number fifty, an anniversary issue. What? Set this one apart for me is you had uh, the Legion of Superheroes were drawn by uh, Keith Giffen at the time. Okay. Keith Giffen does the opening few pages of this and the last closing pages of this. And he does it in the quirky Legion style of back in the day. And a villain in the future called Nyler Truggs steals something called the H-Dial, which longtime DC fans are familiar with. But he's using it as for his own evil plans mm-hmm. in Superboy's time, and he dials V for villain, and he breaks out Lex Luthor, and the art basically goes into this, oh, sort of like uh, Wizard of Oz, very uh, pastoral look that was drawn by uh, uh, Kurt Schaffenberger. Yeah. 
So you go from the Keith Giffen arc to this Kurt Schaffenberger story, which is just this real mishmash of stuff here. You've got the great cast of supporting characters with Lana Lang. You, spoiler alert, Clark Kent kisses somebody other than Lana in this. Uh-oh. We have a, a, an appearance of Crypto the Super Dog who comes in there. And you've got the age style, which are just all these uh, objects of uh, DC history and DC uh-huh. lore. Fantastic, fantastic issue. And I got to say, I really dug this one. Cover price on this one was a whopping $1.25 back in the day. Excuse wow. me. But uh, I found an online vendor who only had this for $3 at the time. Oh, that's recording. not bad. I thought that's a bargain. Yeah, that's really good. Yep. All Staying right, what right else? along. The yeah. countdown continues, Joy. Got to do my Casey Kasem <laughs> voice. Next up at number seven, I had World's Finest, number 300. Again, this was an anniversary issue, a 52-page giant. Joey, check it out. Not only in this one do you have the pairing of Superman and Batman, as you would expect in an old issue of World's Finest, but you also have the Justice League of America. You have Batman and the Outsiders. And if that's not enough, you've got an appearance of the New Teen Titans. And in that particular scene that they appear in, it's also uh, written by Marv Wolfman and George Perez, all in this one book. This is a bananas title, Joy, because in this one, we've got some aliens and they plant a seed in the earth and it grows this giant tree. So they got to get to the bottom of this and there's a lot of world uh, earth peril in this. Different chapters are done by different artists. You got to see many, many characters and their multiple take on it. There's time travel involved. Sergeant Rock makes an appearance. What? How is that? How can all these characters appear in one book? Can Superman and Batman possibly set aside their differences to get to the bottom of this and save the day? Well, I think you might know the answer to that, but it's all here. Just a plethora of uh, characters, story, and artwork. Sergeant Rock in a world's finest title? What? How does this work? You know, And you've got some gorgeous, gorgeous artwork with uh, George Perez here drawing the Teen Titans. So again, that was World's Finest, number 300, a 52-page giant. The cover price on this one was only $1.25, but the current price I found from an online vendor at the time of this recording was $7. That's pretty cool. Not too bad. So another another book that came out that year, not necessarily in February, uh, from Marv Wolfman and uh, George Perez, uh, it came out, uh, I think, August. It was the, I think, end of that. I also think it's the volume two of the run. Uh, it's the New Teen Titans volume two, number one, came out that year. Mm-hmm. And that's, yep. I, I I don't know if you can see, but I've got that one right behind yes, me. Yes, I do. <laughs> Absolutely. I was going to make reference to that. And spoiler alert, I might mention oh. a particular title later on down the list. Awesome. Hmm, rub the chin. What is he talking about? <laughs> yes. And indeed, yeah, I did notice that. So very, very cool catch there. And it, it seems we are very, very like-minded fans, Joey. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, that, that book right there is, uh, uh, one of my first, so, uh, so the first book that I ever picked up in my entire life, uh, well, bought with my own money was a, uh, it was in like the 90s, uh, 94, number 96, somewhere around there. And it was, uh, volume two, X-Men volume two, number one. It's the connecting covers, the, the. Yes. Oh, yes, Joey. And the, Joey, I got to tell yeah. you. To hear you talk about that with with such fondness, yeah. with such adoration, with with that being you know so important to you, yes. and how you came at the hobby, it just warms a, a fellow collector's heart that y- you've got such a passion for that, and j- it brings back so many memories, and you, yes. you you hold that in such high esteem as a fellow collector. I I, I am floored and just very very uh, blessed to know someone with with like minded taste and sensibility. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, it was it was so cool. I picked it up off of a spinner rack. And I've told this story so many different times, but I picked it up off of a spinner rack 
in an ice cream shop, not in a comic shop. It was in an ice cream shop and they had like a little mini arcade in the back. So I would go in there, we would play video games. And then once we got tired of playing video games, we uh, would have some ice cream. And then while I'm flipping through the books and stuff, I would, I, I would look at the comic books. And the first time that I ever actually bought a book, I brought, bought that one, took it home. And I don't know what happened to it. I, 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 all of the comic books that I collected back then, I don't know, I, I, moving and all that stuff, you know, things get lost. But since oh, then, sure. I found it, and I found it in, 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 uh, in a very well, uh, high grade, and uh, I've picked it up, and since then, I've got, grabbed every connecting cover, uh, oh. e- even the even the one that has the, uh, the pull-out uh, poster yes. that they have, I even got oh, yes. that one, and I framed them, I have them up on my wall. Awesome. Gorgeous. Yeah. It's yeah, absolutely. That's I I love collecting, man. (laughs) (laughs) You, me both. (laughs) We're up to number six, number six, fantastic Four, number 263. If I, if we're going to talk about some nice comic books that came out in this time, you have to uh, include John Byrne in his run on the title that he was doing with this time writing and editing it. Uh, This was uh, some book with some great artwork. Uh, We've got a nice domestic scene with Reed and Sue that opens the issue as they're trying to live uh, civilian lives with uh, trying to blend into society. But in the uh, other part of the story, we've got Johnny who's doing this race. We've got uh, the thing in there and he uh, encounters this place called wonder world, which was sort of like based off of another popular amusement park. And this also includes a cameo by a character named Alden Moss, uh, who is an anagram of Neil Adams because oh. we get a little bit of uh, Adam Neil Adams' belief with respect to a uh, continental drift in the Earth, and they Byrne was very clever to create a character sort of based on another creator. Mm-hmm. And the thing encounters the classic Marvel villain, the Mole Man. It's all here. My gosh, what a fantastic issue! Again, uh, Byrne was a masterful storyteller with this particular uh, Marvel title. Y- you can see his love for this work. He did some fantastic stories. Yeah. Here was no exception. So again, that's Fantastic Four, number two hundred sixty-three. The cover price on this one was a mere 60 cents. And you can find this pretty cheaply. The yeah. current price goes for about 4 to $5. So that's not too bad. Yeah, I found one on eBay for like uh, 3 bucks. Excellent. Yeah. How about that? And that's a great cover. You got you got the thing there, all those uh, oranges and darks. Yeah, so cool. Love it. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for pointing that. Yeah. Next up. Oh, Joey, we're halfway there. We're all halfway right. home. All right. Next up. You know, we were talking about classic creators, you know, doing uh, classic runs of Marvel at this time. Mm. And I would be remiss if I did not mention Walt Simonson doing the Mighty Thor. We're up to uh, number five. So my pick for number five, Thor number 340, covered by Walt Simonson, art by Walt Simonson. Oh, my gosh. Epic battle galore with uh, things going on here because we've got Thor, we got Beta Ray Bill. You have fighting yeah. side by side, and uh, they're 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 just taking on everything that you can believe, like alien demons. Uh, we got Odin <laughs> who gives uh, Beta Ray Bill a civilian identity. What the what? <laughs> and we also have appearances of uh, of Volstag, only as could be drawn by Walt Simonson. The Warriors Three, Hogan makes an appearance. Epic battle scenes as rendered by the talented Walt Simonson. Mm. This is just an art masterpiece. And yes. if you are into yes. comic art and if you just have just a passing familiarity with Walt Simonson and you'd like to get to know a little bit more about this uh, book with his artwork, I can, can't can recommend Thor number 340 or any of the Walt Simonson books from this run any higher. Classic, classic issue. Cover price on this one back in the day. When Joey came in to this planet, it was only 60 cents. Can you imagine just under a 60 buck? 60 cents. This one found online for about uh, $7. And the cover depicts Thor 
and Beta Ray Bill just mm-hmm. going at it with these alien-like creatures. Yeah. My gosh, if you are into comic book art, I can't that recommend is, this one any higher. That is a great-looking cover. Wow. Ooh, okay. Now, this one was uh, more of a historical pick, and this one made an impact on me just for the story itself. And we're going to talk about the character Spider-Man. Now, while on the amazing Spider-Man title at this time, Spidey was fighting Kingpin, and he Mm. was also fighting Hobgoblin. Okay, I get it. You know, Amazing Spider-Man was a really, really good title. But did you know Spider-Man also had a companion title called Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man? My next pick, number four, Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man, number 87. Script by Bill Mantlo, pencils by Al Milgram, inks by Jim Mooney. This is a fantastic cover, Joey. Yeah. We have uh, Spider-Man with his back to us, pulling off his mask, and he's revealing his face and secret identity to none other than the Black Cat. Hello. Wow. Check this one out, Joey. Yeah. When <laughs> Peter Parker decides to take back Black Cat to his uh, apartment in Chelsea, and she's really turned off. She goes, you know, Spider-Man, what, what, you're living in this <laughs> ramshackle apartment? What's up with this? You're Spider-Man. How can you believe that? You know, how, can, how come you don't have a better set of digs here? But then when he takes off his mask, reveals his secret identity... She she's shocked. She's repulsed. She hates Peter Parker's look. She re- implores him, <laughs> Spider Man, put your mask back on. It's it's Spider Man. I love not not the guy that you really are. And Peter just does not know what to make of this. He's stunned. He's absolutely yeah. floored by this. P- Black Cat was in love with the mystique of Spider Man mm-hmm. and everything that he could do athletically, but the man himself, not so much. This really really was a gut punch to me when I yeah. read back in the day. Yeah. I've I've actually heard about this book. I've never I haven't been able to get get to read it, but I've heard about this one for that exact fact. Like like when he takes his mask off and re- reveals himself, and she's like, "Oh mm, no, no, thank you." <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. Can you believe it? I've never yeah. seen that in a comic before. Right. I, this was this was an astonishing read for me back in the day. You know, to to have the you know guts and the balls to say okay yeah you know you're you're my girlfriend here uh, let me show you who i really am let's take our relationship to the next level and she's sickened by this i couldn't <laughs> believe this it's just it's just a crazy crazy yeah. issue and it, definitely one of the more memorable ones in the lore of spider-man history and yeah. it just co- coincidentally happened to be cover dated february 1984 my gosh what a year what a month yeah, man, there's a lot, a lot of good books that came out that month. Oh, and it, it, it it's, it's getting better, Joey. We're, right. we're down to our final three. Can you All believe right. it? Wow. Here we are, lo and behold, our final three. Okay, so number three. Okay, spoiler alert, Joey, you, you mentioned uh, the New Teen Titans before. Next up, I had New Teen Titans number 39. And okay. when we talk about covers, uh, here we go again. This is one, another one with... Uh, uh, Dick Grayson and Wally West with our backs to us and their discarded costumes. Yeah. This co- cover is all white and you see uh, Robin's costume hanging on the new Teen Titans logo. You see Kid Flash's costume basically laying on the floor and everything is sort of disheveled. Wolfman and Perez in this issue top at their game. We've got some nice tight panel layouts in the very first page alone. There's, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, twelve, thirteen panels in the first page. Wow. Then you open it up and you get a two-page spread of an epic battle scene with all of the classic Teen Titans. You got Cyborg, Kid Flash, Starfire, Robin, Raven, uh, <laughs> Wonder Girl, Donna Troy. She's all there. Mm-hmm. And you even got Tara, who's still with the team back then. Oh, Joey. Uh, Perez's artwork is just just yeah. a masterpiece yeah. in this issue. Not only that, you've got um, Deathstroke battling the group. And 
as if that's not enough, you have our our two focal heroes of the group basically mm-hmm. deciding, you know what, we're going to call it quits. Yeah. You, got, you got Dick Grayson saying, okay, I've, I've had enough, I'm going to step down, and you got Wally West stepping down. It is just a gut wrench of a book, one of the more uh, heart-wrenching, you know, Wolfman did a lot of great issues over the mm-hmm. run with uh, New Teen Titans, and this this one is right up there. It's probably, gosh, one of my top three yeah. favorites of all the ones that he did in this one. And this is just a marvelous, marvelous book. Uh, turning point with respect to the characters, turning point with respect to the title. Definitely. Fantastic issue. When yeah. this came out, only a mere 75 cents wow. to part with to get one. Enjoy, you know, not too bad in the back issue uh, uh, hunts and finds if you can find a copy. Uh, copies going uh, online in my area for about five to six dollars, so not, not too not bad. bad. And that that that's an iconic uh, cover right there too. You, everybody knows and seen has seen this one at least once in their lifetime. Um, oh, I would think so. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I see. There's a they have a graded copy on eBay, and this is just the first one that popped up. It's a nine point six for a hundred dollars. Not bad. Hello. Wow. Wow. Nine point six. My gosh. We're down to our final two. And I think the, the selections got a little easier for me. Okay. And as you would think, the, the books sort of got getting a little more expensive as we work our way down the list. But I'm going to reveal the number two. Then I'm going to reveal some honorable mentions. Okay. Some books that didn't quite make the cut, but were some nice books that came out in February 84. And then we'll reveal the top issue. And maybe somebody, as they're hearing this podcast, uh, who was around at that time, their mind is kind of spinning and they're kind of trying to rem- recall, you know, what was out around that time? You know, mm-hmm. oh, was this one out? Was that one out? I wonder if this is going to be mentioned. You know, it, it's tough to kind of pin things down to a month and a year, but I think yeah. if you kind of get the year... Some things kind of trigger in the brain for some longtime collectors. Yeah, yeah. So next up, this was a little bit of foreshadowing. If you had Dick Grayson calling it quits as Robin in New Teen Titans number 39, my next choice, number two, Batman number 368, where okay. Jason Todd becomes Robin. Yeah. Hello. Uh, Joey, you mentioned iconic covers before. Yes. This one is certainly no exception. And this one, you've got a great orange cover with Batman swinging from the left, and you've got a young Robin. Yeah. Uh, leaping over a billboard and the billboard saying, introducing Robin, the boy wonder. That's right. We said boy wonder. <laughs> Hello. Yeah. Great cover by Ed Hannigan and Dick Giordano. Uh, <laughs> what what more can you say in this one? Uh, let's see. Uh, we've got uh, our creative team. I'm looking here, looking, looking here. Let me go. Oh, I'll, I'll go back to that in a second. But this one, d- Jason goes out on his first mission. He's, t- you know, very, very mm-hmm. eager. You got... Uh, Batman reassuring him that everything is going okay. Uh, Doug Mensch was the writer. Don Newton and Alfred Alcala were the artists on this one. But he things go south in this one. Where <laughs> Robin takes on longtime uh, Robin uh, foe, Crazy Quilt, and Crazy Quilt <laughs> punches the bejesus out of Jason Todd. He does not see coming. You've got this D-list mope yeah. of a villain, and he mops the floor with Jason oh Todd gosh. in this issue. It ends on a cliffhanger, spoiler alert, but my gosh, you know, things do not go yeah. well for Jason in this issue. And you think you kind of think to yourself, wait a minute, is this the Jason Todd that I know of, Jason right. Todd? Yes, yeah. it is. It thinks, yeah. How quickly we forget the, the ubermensch of Jason Todd today you know, Red Hood, Jason Todd. Yeah. And this is his first foray getting mopped up getting by beat. a D-villain. <laughs> Nonetheless, a classic uh, Batman story, a classic Batman issue. Right. Joey, you, I like that you uh, allude to the covers as we're going down this list. But uh, this one, certainly, you, you have to agree, this one does have a very, very, uh, somewhat of an iconic cover. Yes, though. this one as well. And and I got to tell you, uh, 
This was my favorite uh, era when they had the Batman graphics. When they had, uh, you know, it kind of had the bat with the with his face there in, in between the bat and the man. I love love that little that logo. Um, what they've got going on now, it's awesome and all that good stuff. But I think, uh, you know, the the graphics of old, uh, they they definitely knew how to catch your eye. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, before I reveal the number one choice, I, I do want to mention. As previously stated, I did have some honorable mentions that I'd like to get out of the way. Some books that were really good that came out this particular month and year, but just didn't quite make my top 10 list. Okay. Uh, I want to include Superman, number 392. And this was a issue that featured a uh, Superman fan favorite uh, character called uh, Vartox, mm. who is just this uh, bananas character that looks like the old Sean Connery uh, Zardoz <laughs> character. Anytime yeah. you see this guy pop up, you know it's going to be a funky banana story. He's got superpowers <laughs> of his own. Uh, he loves Lana Lang. And, and this is just a, a, mm-hmm. a cuckoo story with some uh, fun appearances. Uh, also making uh, my honorable mention list, What If from Marvel Comics. Okay. issue number 43 this particular month and year the 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 story featured uh conan the barbarian and it's what if conan the barbarian were stranded in the 20th century oh, oh my yeah. gosh can you imagine that's a good one <laughs> marvel's yeah. uber barbarian of yore being trapped in the 20th century in new york city look out <laughs> what could possibly go wrong and happen and this is another iconic cover as well where you have conan there in his headdress and holding a gun yeah, Bill Sienkiewicz did a marvelous yeah. lights-out job with the cover on that one. Yeah. Next up, you know, uh, again, uh, something of a you know, historian here. Uh, Action Comics number 552, which had Superman, but with some older heroes that uh, – lesser-known heroes, if you will, like Cave Carson, mm. Congarella, uh, Animal Man, before he became a little more prominent character in the DCU, the Sea Devils, and you had Dolphin. Yeah. And in this issue, too, uh, you had – it was uh, – Gil Kane, of all people, not your regular Kurt Swan or anybody else drawing it, but you had Gil Kane drawing an issue of Superman. And odd just to see that comic legend Gil Kane, best known primarily for his work on Green Lantern mm-hmm. and the Atom, drawing an issue of Superman with all of these heroes of yore, something for a mm-hmm. comic historian's heart. So I had to include that one on my list. Uh, again, Action Comics number 552. Next up, I picked a Marvel comic book, The Incredible Hulk, number 292. <laughs> this one, uh, the story is called Dragon Knight. And here's our a combination of anytime you had The Incredible Hulk versus The Circus of Crime with an attraction featuring Dragon Man, mm. classic FF villain from the Fantastic Four, all in one issue, lights out, <laughs> cuckoo banana stuff, written by Bill Mantlo, art done by Shao Bushima and Joe Sinnott. Uh, this is yeah. just a centerpiece of something very atypical of Marvel from back in the day. A lot of fun and a nice standalone story. Great and great inclusion, in yeah. my opinion, to make this list. And last but not least in the honorable mentions, I had DC Comics Presents, number 66, Superman and the Demon, as drawn by, get this, Comic legend and school founder, Joe Kubert. Joe Kubert did this one. And my gosh, you want to talk about some incredible uh, Joe Kubert artwork where he's drawing uh, the demon of all characters. And, you know, Joe Kubert for me, uh, first thing that pops in my mind is like Tarzan and all the classic work he did with this one. But to see him draw the iconic characters of Superman and uh, the demon in this Mm -hmm. one issue where they take on a fantastic magical foe, uh, something a little bit of a historic relic in my point. So I, I have to include this and just from from the history with having a creative team, story written by comic legend and the late Len Wein yes. and Joe Cooper drawing this issue. Uh, 
fantastic, fantastic piece of comics history there. Yes, Superman definitely. and the Demon from DC Comics Presents number 66. Such a cool, Ooh, such Joey, a cool cover. my gosh. Can you believe we talked about 14 comics already? Oh, and we've got, right. and we have yet to get to the number one uh, book, in my opinion. And, you know, arguably... I think any comic fan would agree with me if we had to talk about books that were released February 1984, there could only be one choice. Joey, uh, any guesses right now? Uh, any thoughts and opinions as along the way? Did you know that there were this many books no, that came out no, the month of year you were born? That is quite a bit, man. Wow. Uh, I, when do they have the time to release these things? <laughs> no, yes. I, 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 I couldn't think of, I, I don't know. I've never actually sat down and, and done this before to go look back, uh, on the books of, for my birth month and year. So this is actually the first time that, it, 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 that we've, we're, I'm doing this and it's actually really cool. Cause, um, I'm excited to hear what number one is. Oh, Joey, I, I cannot wait to reveal number one. Joey. Number one, when this book came out, uh, as soon as it was released, there was a lot of immediate buzz for this book, and it was praised critically. A lot of people really, really dug it. This particular book came out from DC. It okay. sort of revived a character that had sort of been lagging in sales, and it introduced a particular comic writer to American readers, and this particular issue put the comic book writer on the map, and it... It, the, it, he became a legend and the rest is history. The number one choice, and I think this has to be a consensus among any comic fan for February 1984 for releases, Saga of Swamp Thing number 21. Oh. The story, the anatomy lesson written by comic legend Alan Moore. <laughs> oh, oh, man. My gosh. You had the co cover by Tom Yates. This one basically uh, deconstructed, reconstructed the character of Swamp Thing. Yeah. Thinking that he was only Alec Holland. Uh, you've yes. got Jason Woodrow. You've got... Uh, Gorgeous art by Stephen Bassett and John Totleben in this one. Hello, my gosh, you know, uh, a comic book masterpiece uh, by any stretch of the imagination. Just a, tory, a story written and uh, mm. executed unlike anything before uh, seen in a DC comic book, much less anything that the Americans were reading back on this time. Alan Moore uh, started with uh, Swamp Thing, then of course became on, mm -hmm. went on to do Watchmen, yeah. uh, V for Vendetta, the list goes on and on. This is the comic book that put Alan Moore sort of what on the map. Yeah. Arguably, he did have a, a, a storied career in Britain. By no means do I want to sell that short. Mm -hmm. But with respect to American comic book authors who, uh, re and readers who had never heard of this guy before, who's the Salamore guy? This is the book that uh, put him in American consciousness. This is a very historical book, and it's uh, one of the classic all-time great comic book stories, The Anatomy Lesson. There you have it, Swag Saga of Swamp Thing, number 21. Oh, uh, before I forget, let me go back. You know, uh, this one had a cover price of 75 cents. To get this one now, you're, an original copy, not a reprint, you're probably looking at least $75 to get this one. <laughs> yeah. uh, going back to the Batman book, I forgot to mention the current value was about $50 if you could find a copy. Uh, Saga Swamp Thing, though, is a centerpiece to any Swamp Thing collector's yeah, uh, fan, and this is just an incredible book. Yeah, and, and he flipped Swamp Thing on his lid, right? He Absolutely. completely flipped it. Uh, and, and, and man, everybody can say whatever they want about, uh, Alan Moore and his, his attitude nowadays towards comics. But man, the guy knows what he was doing, huh? Right. He knew exactly, uh, how to, how to write something that people would be intrigued by. And it, it, like, like I said, he flipped it on his lid and it, and it, and it boosted his career to something great. I, that was an amazing list, Chris, man. Thank you. 
Oh, thank you. I had a lot of fun putting it together and had a lot of fun talking about it. You know, Joey, I just want to kick back a little bit and just say I, I really want to thank you for having me on. Yeah. And uh, I just really appreciate uh, everything we got to talk about today and everything like that. But we also got to talk about food. And Joey, <laughs> you know, listening to, you know, past episode, I got to say, you know, I didn't know you were uh, you, you were something of a wrestling fan. I had yeah. no idea. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Are you a wrestling fan? You know, Joey, I got out of it sort of when you were getting into it. Okay. I, I grew up in Memphis, and, you know, it was so weird. I was very fortunate uh, growing up in Memphis to live in a decent-sized market where we had a great uh, wrestler. Uh, certainly, you would know him. Uh, Jerry Lawler yeah. was a local wrestler in yeah. Memphis. Okay. And I, I used to watch him every Saturday, and the channel was called WHBQ in Memphis. It was an ABC affiliate. And you'd this, the, it'd come on on the weekends, you know, and the, you'd have the cheesy – uh, opening, you know, where a guy would sing to see America's favorite sport on WHBQ television. And, you know, just, just to see That's that. Awesome. And you, you had uh, Dave Brown and you had Lance uh, calling the matches and you had great announcers. And yeah. to see somebody like Jerry Lawler was really, really cool back in the day. And it was really cool. Then I got to move to a small town in Wisconsin in, in the late 70s and early 80s. And then out of the Twin Cities... You had the AWA hanging out there. Okay. And this is where the AWA had an announcer that some people may know. His name was Gene Okerlund. Yeah. So Gene Okerlund called the matches and stuff like that. He would be the, you know, guy doing the interviews. You had Gene Okerlund pre, you know, WWF, WWE, stuff like that. Yeah. And it, just to see Gene Okerlund doing that. Mean stuff Gene. Stuff like that yep. and the matches and everything. Yeah. Fantastic to be in that, that market right there at that time wow. before this was – just before things were taking off with uh, all the other big uh, name stuff there. So that's that's when I got into it. Sometimes they'd stage some matches locally around. That's cool. And, you know, Joey, remember the little bit, too, if uh, the loser uh, lost a match, he, they'd say, loser leaves town, you know? Okay. Which was really cool in the small town in Wisconsin where I was living. I was like, well, geez, they're all going to be leaving town right. after they get out of here. What, what was the big yeah. thing to do with that? That's way but, cool, uh, man. Oh, that's yeah, and they were really scary. You know, they they put on a great show, and I got to I got to go to C two E two a couple of years ago, and I met uh, Mr. Jerry Lawler. Wow, and he couldn't have been nicer. Fantastic guy. He was sitting next to Gene Okerlund. I got Mr. Lawler's autograph. I got Mr. Okerlund's autograph. And Mr. Okerlund was just sharp as a tack. You know, he wow. just still had yeah. that wit and sense of humor about him. Jerry Lawler and I talked about Memphis and just how. Uh, Certain places of the area, you know, kind of gone downhill, sadly, mm -hmm. you know, where area was where I was grew up. You know, I said, well, Mr. Lawler asked where I lived. And I said, well, you know, I lived in this particular spot. And he kind of shook his head and he said, son, don't go back. <laughs> he just, it had just gotten, it had just gotten that rough, you know, and I guess uh, he knew someone who lived in the area and that's where they were from. And she, she had said it got kind of sad there, but he's got a nice restaurant open there. He, wow. he said, he got to check out my restaurant. And I, I said, I'd be, I'd be more than happy to next time I visit and uh, great, great uh, memories and great times. And Joey, to hear you that you were a wrestling fan yourself, yeah, uh, kind of warmed yeah. my heart a little bit as a mutual interest. Yeah. I, I, I used to watch it uh, in the nineties. Uh, when they when they were kind of uh, doing the Monday Night Wars between uh, back then when they were called WWF and WCW, and uh, yes. that's when I got into it. And and I, I had been into it a, a whole lot uh, a few years before that, uh, but that was I feel uh, when uh, the height of of wrestling uh, got a little bit more popular. I mean, wrestling was already popular, but it got. Uh, really, really popular because everybody would talk about it. It was the thing to do, right? And talk about it back then. So, it was a whole lot of fun uh, hanging out with my with my brothers and and uh, and uh, watching that stuff. And it was really cool. It's like it's like 
you the two things that we had to talk about back then were Ninja Turtles and wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> so you would always find me with either a wrestling shirt on or a Ninja Turtles shirt on. <laughs> so mm-hmm. that's uh, that was the two things in the nineties, uh, like uh, early nineties, mid nineties. That's that's what I was doing. Excellent. Joy, let me ask you this. Is there anything like of a smaller circuit in the local scene with wrestling where you are? Is is your area metro enough where you have some like local independent, some smaller time wrestlers or no? So I, I they do, but I, I I wouldn't know too much about that. My buddy, my my uh podcast partner on the House of Indy, he actually uh did some things. He was actually he did some stuff in the ring for a little bit. So he was actually oh, a wrestler excellent. himself. And he knows more about that kind of stuff and, and the local uh, independent wrestling uh, world than I do uh, because I've mm-hmm. been out of it since, like, um, I, I kind of got out of it, like, once I turned, like, 17, 18, I was like, ah, that's not cool. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go. I, I've, I found interest in gir- girls, so I was just like, <laughs> girls don't like wrestling, so I think I'm going to step back and, and stop watching that. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, yeah, so yeah. uh so i i just recently kind of got back into it and and uh some of my buddies they i think they've convinced me to kind of get back into it and watch it a little bit but i have not since then the last thing i watched was this year's uh wrestlemania excellent okay and that was a little weird i don't know if you heard about that they 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 did it without without a crowd so yeah, I, I I I I heard only after the fact how they how they executed it, yeah. and they go, oh, that's that's got to be really odd, you know? Yeah, it was the way things are going now. <laughs> it was a little odd. I I found myself fast forwarding <laughs> through through most of it. <laughs> but yeah, understood. Yeah, I think uh, things things are a whole lot better with a crowd. At least that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, and it it was it was a little a little odd, but I mean, still entertaining. Whatever. Yeah, I could understandable, understandable. Right, It'll right. be interesting to see where things go from here. Yeah, man. So so uh, I I got to talk to you a little bit. You 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 discussed Memphis and you talked about barbecue. Let's go full circle and talk a little bit about barbecue, man, because <laughs> I I worked in a uh, barbecue place uh, back in back maybe about uh, a little over uh, maybe around ten years ago. And uh, I was the I was the head cook there, head the head uh, barbecue chef there, and um, uh, and that guy he he came from Kansas City, so it was Kansas City style barbecue. I need to know what you consider real barbecue because I know this is kind of an argument a lot of people have. Uh, it's it's either Kansas City barbecue, uh, Memphis barbecue, Texas barbecue. So so what would you consider is the best barbecue? Oh, Joey, I, you put me in a corner and I, I have to disclose my full bias here because being a Memphis native, okay. I, I cannot turn my back on Memphis. Oh, right. I, that, 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 that would just be too disrespectful to the, to the hometown I was born and raised. But, you know, you bring back such good memories though, too, because, uh, Memphis had hot sweltering days and I went to a, a parochial school, mm-hmm. uh, Midtown Memphis, and uh, you know when it's hot, you have to open the windows. Yeah, and when you open the windows, there's a barbecue place oh. in a strip mall right around the corner. <laughs> and when that wind blows, uh-huh. the the smoke uh, in a certain scent, mm-hmm. and I don't know if I should mention the name of this place, but this always brings back memories. The smoke would come into the room. You mm. could smell it and inhale it, and instantly my mouth would salivate. Oh, man. I mean, it was just like, you know, Pavlov dog. You got to whip that odor of that barbecue, <laughs> right. and I, my, my mouth just waters yeah. instantly. Um, 
And, and, you know, I don't know where, where it is back like in the day, because I got to confess, you know, uh, it's been a few years removed from Memphis. You know, that's where I, I was born and grew up. Yeah. But I, I did move uh, right around the time I was in junior high, and I haven't gone back too often. And there's a lot of turnover with every with every place is what have you. Some right, places yeah. make it, some places don't. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's, it's when you go into a community in an area back in the day where I remember it mm-hmm. – uh, you you'd only you could be driving and every five minutes you you would hit a, a barbecue place in yeah, a strip mall. Right. I mean it was like that. I mean some some communities you know if you you, you can hit like a uh, check cashing place every you know two blocks. You could hit a <laughs> right. a Mexican restaurant every two blocks. That's you can here. hit an Indian <laughs> restaurant every two blocks or something. Memphis every two blocks there's a barbecue place. At least <laughs> that's the way it was when I grew up. And uh, uh, fine, fine, fine places that you've got some upper yeah. end places downtown and uh, some local mom places that I, I'm personally biased towards because um, it, it's just. I have to confess, I'm looking at this through a bit of a nostalgic lens too when yeah. I talk about Memphis and barbecue. So, is there that that one uh, barbecue place that you would frequent, or you or you know that that it was the best because you can't find it anything like it anywhere? Because I know that there's a place back home where I come from, where I where I grew up, uh, that had the the the, the best tri tip sandwiches, and. I can't find anything here at all like that. Uh. And I even went out to like, I even uh, traveled to different places. I haven't had buddy who lived out in Florida. I tried to find stuff out there and we went out to Kansas and we could, I mean, uh, but there was nothing that like could match these tri tip sandwiches. And I've always said, I need to take my family back out to California cause that's where I'm from. And, and, sure. and we got to hit that place. Hopefully it's still there. I, I, I still haven't been able to get in touch with anybody who still lives there to find out if that place is still there. I see. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, it's funny you mentioned, we mentioned Jerry Lawler before he's got a barbecue okay. place down there and I'm dying to try it. Yeah. You know, I got to figure out what, what the King is up to, you know, with his barbecue place. You know, uh, when I was a kid, like I mentioned the place before, right by my school, it was called Tops Barbecue. Okay. And I'm biased because I smell Tops Barbecue every day as a kid. Oh you know, yeah. You, when you just get that particular mm-hmm. smell yep. with, the, with, with how they prepare it, the, the, with, with, the, with their chimney, how they smoke it, <laughs> yeah. how they do everything else like that, it creates an, a distinctive odor, unlike any other barbecue <laughs> places. It's almost uh-huh. like a fingerprint when you when i smell that particular odor not like other barbecue places you there 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 there's a certain distinctness to each of these yeah. nuances yeah. you know and with that one it 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 brings back an instant memory so i have to be a little bit biased there um i think if you go in there uh People will tell you the rendezvous because it's sort of it's sort of like the popular place, you know, where you, where the tourists would go because that's where they hear the good barbecue is. Okay, I went to yeah. the barbecue uh, rendezvous several times as a kid, and I loved it. I had a great time and it had the atmosphere and everything like that. But I'd say that and Tops and Jerry Lawler's place I got to check out because mm-hmm. I he he you the man takes his restauranting very very seriously. Oh, I'm sure. So, yeah, yeah. We got to keep those things close to our heart, man. And you know what though, you were talking about the distinctive smells and stuff like that. You know they they so. I don't know if you know this, but there's a trick that they do uh, and to, to create oh. that smell. I mean, at least, yeah. at least that's what I was taught was. So when you, you know, all the, all the like, uh, fatty parts of the, of the meats and things like that. Yes. You don't, I was, sometimes you want to keep those on there, but sometimes there's pieces that of, of the food and, and the meats that you cut off and that you don't serve. So what you do mm-hmm. with those is you don't waste them. You throw them in, uh, the firebox. 
so I'll that okay. so that they go out into the top and they, and they and they everybody smells it so ah. and so it smells like uh, you're cooking out there and you also uh, you always want to uh, be cooking you so you have your pork butts going on and you open up uh, your your doors to let them cool and all that good stuff but you open them up and you just let that smoke go out into the vent <laughs> and so that they go out into the world so everybody smells it and the, everybody because once you get a whiff of barbecue man you can't you know what Chris I think I'm gonna go we're, we're gonna go get some barbecue now <laughs> I think you're I think I'm gonna uh, yeah let's do it Joey Joey thank you wow you you pulled back the curtain and you I, 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 you brought this huge smile to my face uh, letting in a little bit of a trade secret there oh I'm so giddy now with this news yeah it's so it's so fun I love this man you I appreciate you coming on man uh, I have been enjoying uh, all the memory minutes that you've been uh, bringing to Professor Frenzy. I know, unfortunately, we don't have the regular show right now because uh, books hadn't been coming, uh, hadn't been being shipped. But hey, guess what? This last week, I think it was the first week that they uh, shipped books, or at least a little bit of books. And uh, the next coming weeks, we're going to be getting a whole lot of books back into the shops now. So hopefully, we can get a regular episode of Professor Frenzy, right? Am I right? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, thank yes. you very much, Joy. I can't thank you enough for the, uh, appreciate the club. Now, I know, uh, where Professor Frenzy lives, it's still a little, uh, yeah. wonky and scary, but, uh, in uh, Chicago, uh, we do have some curbside places that are putting out some books yeah. and I've been partaking in advantage. And it's like, wow, holy cow, it's doing this, you know, and it's like, I felt like, you know, in, in this, in the span of a short amount of time, mm-hmm. It feels even longer since oh, I've yeah. been to the local comic shop than just if you said to me, oh, yeah, you were early parts of 2020. You were walking in every week. And I said, <laughs> yeah. it, it feels so long ago. It yeah. feels so long ago, right. you know, to, to me, you know. But, yeah, you, thank you. They are releasing some independent titles. I picked up some this past week. I'm not sure about my uh, stalwart partner, but yeah. uh, we hope to get back on track pretty soon. And uh, we're very looking forward to it. We're kind of chomping at the bit. We're on the edge of our seats. Yeah. And it's, you know. I, we miss it. We miss it because, you know, uh, I, we, we come to the mic at a certain day and a certain time. Mm-hmm. And when it doesn't happen, it's like it, 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 it throws me off a little bit yeah. uh, psychologically. And I, 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 I miss that. I, I think I need that uh, communication and just touching base with my friend and uh, talking comics. That, that, that's that's my jam. Yeah. Yeah. I I th- I got to tell you that that I don't even know my days because I don't have a professor frenzy dropping in my schedule or in my podcast podcast uh uh queue every Wednesday so I'm just like everything's off everything's off kilter yep. because I don't have a professor yes. frenzy <laughs> on Wednesdays. Well <laughs> You know, thank you so much. And I got to appreciate that. And let me give a shout out to my friend, uh, the talented Jerry, a.k.a. Professor Frenzy. And you can find our podcast generally every week where we look at independent <laughs> titles. At the time of the recording, though, due to the pandemic, we're on a bit of a hiatus. But, uh, Joey, thank you so much. You mentioned the Memory Minute Monday, which I do. Uh, you can find that on the same feed. That's where I wax nostalgic about things I grew up with. But I also want to point you out to, and the listeners, out to the uh, wonderful content that Jerry puts out on YouTube. Yeah. And if you just do a search for Professor and Frenzy, you can find uh, some marvelous things that he's uh, doing there and some future projects will drop there as well do us a favor like and subscribe when you're there uh jerry and i met coincidentally you know uh when we both co-hosted the bat books for beginners podcast and that's where we looked at uh and reviewed batman trade paperbacks or batman related characters and i think some of the past episodes are archived over at the batman universe Mm -hmm. 
So you can find us there. And just for another plug, if you'll indulge me, I can also be heard monthly on the uh, Back Old Oracle podcast hosted by the talented Stella. And I have a segment within a segment called Chris's Cornucopia of Curiosities, where I look at the Batman Adventures title based on the 90s animated series. And if that's not enough, I have a segment within a segment called Nightwatch, where I look (laughs) at the current Nightwing title from a shipper's perspective. And you can find me on Twitter at BTO and Batbooks. Super cool. I didn't know you were on that that show monthly. That's really awesome. Yeah, it was weird because a uh, long time ago, Stella put a shout out to say, mm-hmm. would somebody like to co-host with me? And at the time, she was reading uh, Batgirl appearances from uh, the late 1970s. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, that's in my wheelhouse. Yeah. I remember good in those books. <laughs> so I, I, I emailed her. I thought nothing would come of it. Mm-hmm. I got an email back instantly saying, Let's do it next week. Yeah, and I go, oh crap! You know, this is this is for <laughs> real. Get on it and now. Then, uh, she, yeah, this is and she. That's where I got my break into podcasting, and I'm in her debt. And nice. Uh, yeah, I, I've I can't believe I, I. It's been it's been years now, and she's had me on occasionally as a guest. But I've always had she's she offered me a, a little bit of a home and space on her show, and I, I've been very very fortunate to. Uh, Get 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 to know people, fellow fans, fellow podcasters, and uh, Jerry and I are very very fortunate of all the gracious people that we've met and chat with and interacted with on uh, different shows, and just talking about the love of comic books and uh, yeah, horror movies, definitely and, uh, mutual interests, wrestling, you know, things that we like. You know, we mm. we talk barbecue, Joey. How cool is that? <laughs> yeah. You know, and and just to have uh, some warm camaraderie and interaction, and just. For, for a hobby we we both love and endear definitely dear to and it's 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 fantastic and i'm very very fortunate and i can't thank you enough and joey if, if you'll indulge me too i, yeah. I want to say to the listeners out there you can find my good friend joey across from me on podlock party but he does a marvelous show called the house of indie pod that he does with albert and if you want to get up to date on the news Please, please be sure to check out Interstate Geeks that he does with Nate. And I can't thank you enough, Joey. Joey, you've got some, you did some other shows that I hope are going to return at some point, but I know uh, things are kind of in flux right now. But my gosh, Uh, please, though, House of Indie Pod, where Joey uh, has some great creators on there, again with Albert and Interstate Geeks with Joey and Nate. Fantastic shows. Thank you. I appreciate you doing that because I will never mention any of those shows. No, just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) On this one. (laughs) I'm just kidding. No, I think you appreciate you doing that. Uh, you guys have been a major inspiration to me and uh, me getting started in the podcast world because I used to listen to you guys before I even jumped into the podcasting, and uh, and and I listened to you guys, and you guys are super professional, and uh, it, it just you guys just definitely inspired me to want to do this myself. So I appreciate you and Jerry uh, hanging out with me on this show and uh, and listening to you guys every week. I appreciate it. Thank you. Oh. We're, we're having fun doing it, and we, we thank you for listening. We, we, yeah. sir, we sincerely appreciate it very, very much. Thank you. All right, you know what, Chris? Let's go in there, and let's go have some pizza, or maybe me and you should just leave the party and go get some barbecue. What do you think? I'm with you. Thanks so much, Jerry. <laughs> right. Let's do it. All right. <laughs>